Welcome to this week in sparkling water, I guess. My name is Joachim Eriksson, I guess. And I am the host of this podcast, I guess. I think I feel completely crazy right now. I think I'm actually experiencing some little bit textbook like derealization, which is really not my thing. Like that's not my problem. I think I'm really, really connected to reality and just like a little bit sad all the time. Like that, my problem is just that I'm a little bit sad all the time. But today it's different. Like today, and today what I feel today is, I, it's, I've been feeling like this all day. I woke up this morning and I was so tired that I felt, and I stood in my kitchen and I was real tired and I was like, I should put some music on. And I opened my mouth to tell Alexa to put something on, but I didn't. I was like, let's not. And then I stood there in silence and just checked in with myself. And I realized that I was numb in a way where I was so tired that I was numb and the numbness was numbing any like bad feeling within me. And that the little bit of actual feeling that trickled through that I could feel was a good feeling. And then the whole day I just went through it having fallen backwards into my mind like, where you fall back, you like look at, you just do a mental exercise of trying to view everything you see as a as a screen and you are behind everything just looking at it. But now I kind of like somersaulted backwards a couple of times to where I feel like I'm, uh, I feel like I'm just looking at someone, looking at someone, looking at someone, looking at a screen. You know where you kind of lost control of it and you you fell backwards a couple too many times? Yeah, and then I just woke up and I went to work and, and I just worked all day. And, you know, there's a wedding, someone gets married. I It's like a million things going on. And the whole time I'm just like watching myself do it. It's like a hundred people have a hundred things to say about a schedule that needs to be puzzled together for all these different things going on. And I'm just watching myself do it. And people are like, I texted you. And I'm like, I don't remember that. And they're like, you responded. And I'm like, I don't remember that. And they're like, but it's fine. It's What you're saying sounds like something I would say. It's very confusing. I'm describing it as if I'm not doing a good job. The most confusing thing is that I think I still did a very good job today. So I think that says something about how replaceable I am. But anyway, so then I came home from work and here's the thing that's happening now in the last 30 minutes. Let's talk about the last 30 minutes. I have a little bit of an ant problem. And I think the actual problem is that I don't think ants are gross. Like I don't really care about ants. I I have never really cared about ants. I just feel like ants are, some people are grossed out by ants. I just feel like they're just ants. Like they're minding their own business. And they pick something up and carry it off. And they're not, they don't leave a bunch of ant poop, do they? And they don't, like, they're not like flies. My grandmother was so grossed out by flies. I remember when I was a kid, it was like a huge thing where in Sweden in summer, we have very few animals, but we do have flies. And then you eat on the patio because you have like three fucking days of sun in Sweden every year because it rains and snows all the time. So when there's a little bit of sun, you're sitting outside, but you're terrified of the flies. That's what my grandmother taught me. Because any fucking fly that f flies around and lands on some human food, 
like her way of conceptualizing it was always that that particular fly that just landed on your plate and just walked on the side of your plate next to your food, that fly came directly and immediately from poop. Like that fly was just on poop and it flew up and it landed on your plate and a microscopic amount of poop is now on your plate. And it's like, that's just not true for ants. They're not beelining from from poop to food. So I don't know. I don't really care. And then, so I had some ants at my house and it got, I think it's gotten a little bit out of control now because like, I remember seeing them in the bathroom and they were sort of walking across my bathroom a little bit, little tiny ones. And I just felt like, okay, so I guess it's cold out and now they're in here a little bit and it'll be warm out soon and they'll leave. And they're going from this water spot over here, going to get some, having a drink of water and then they're leaving again. Like, should I be, should I be rushing to the store to buy some product to get rid of these ants? Like, I didn't worry about it. And then now it's out of control where now I think I have three different sizes of ants, like the really, really tiny ones and a very, very large one that there aren't many of, but there are some. And then like this in-between one that really just looks like a whatever ant I saw in Sweden. So I have so many ants and I have been, I've actually, it's weird. I've been productive and because I've been productive and because I stopped procrastinating, I've been cleaning less because procrastinating and cleaning is kind of the same thing. Like I have all these projects I'm trying to do and if I'm creatively blocked, my house is spotless. And then the moment I really get to it and I'm like, you know, figuring it out, the moment I enter into a good flow state, I'll just put the bowl of food down and leave it there. I'll move it to the sink and it'll be there for a few days while I'm like chilling in a flow state of really, really pleasant creativity. I'm really so interested in the process now. Like I'm trying to teach myself different things. Like I'm trying to teach myself a music making program. I'm trying to teach myself Ableton. And I'm so much more interested in the process of learning something new and enjoying what it feels like to learn a skill and a piece of software and like what something is creatively, like what is nice music and stuff. Like what determines if, you know, a chord progression goes with another chord progression and what should it be? Like what instruments should it be? Like much more than like the music being good in the end or something. I'm so much more interested in the process of learning to think about it and learning, learning to learn in a way where I'm like, oh God, I hate myself for saying it like that. It's like true, but I also hate myself for saying learning to learn. But it's like learning to learn in a way where I'm enjoying it the whole time. Because my whole life I was always learning stuff and hating myself throughout the entire process. I was tense the whole time. I would like sit and all tense, stressed out on YouTube, trying to figure something out and rush it. And it's not the point, but the end result was always worse when I didn't enjoy it. And then also there's just something, I don't know. I think it's different crafts, different forms of art. 
um, have hard-coded within them different levels of pain. And I just really believe that maybe, you know, writing a novel is one of the most, most painful forms of art. And then, like, being a fucking hippie motherfucker with a ukulele around a fire is much less pain-oriented. And then everything, every form of art is plotted on a spectrum between those two extremes. I think maybe being a movie director or a novelist or d those things are like really the most painful all the way out. That's at least that's why my buddy Sam says she's trying to be a movie director and she really describes it as like just incredibly painful. But really maybe the most painful part is this writing a script and that's maybe a lot like um, – yeah. Anyway, the point is that I've my house has been messier. And when you're dealing with ants, it's like messiness. Like I made a peanut butter jelly sandwich and there was like a little bit of peanut butter on the counter, like a little glob of peanut butter that was left on the counter, which feels like, Jesus, does that mean my whole, like, should I be ashamed of that? I'm I'm feeling sensitive about describing to you that my house is messy. But some of these things that we're talking about here are not that serious, you know, like a little bit of peanut butter was left on the counter and I didn't discover it until the next day or the day after or something. And this little bit of peanut butter, I mean, I don't even, I, can I even describe to you how, what this turned into in the world of the ants? Like all three ants came out, all the different kinds of ants. And now it's been two weeks of me not trying to do anything about it. And I've lost control. Like, I am no longer living in my... Like, it's no longer the ants living in my house. It is now I am living in the house of the ants. You know what I'm saying? And I come home and I'm all tired and I'm like, Jesus, there's a lot of ants everywhere. And I'm hungry. And so I take the very nice uh, crate and barrel white bowl that I have. I have a few crate and barrel bowls and some of them have such immaculate... Um, what, I really am annoyed that in, the English language doesn't have a perfect word for just shape giving. Like the person, like a bowl is such a perfect example because with a bowl, you're really not an inventor. Like there's no inventing. All there is is shape giving. You're just shape giving. And in Swedish, there's this perfect word word for someone who's a shape giver of the different items that are mostly just about giving it a shape like a vase or, you know, certain pieces of software or whatever. Anyway, I take this beautiful bowl and I put a little bit of frozen blueberries in it and then I put some cereal in it. And, you know, my body's a temple, so my a cereal of choice is Special K with the dark chocolate bits in it, unsweetened dark chocolate bits, because those dark, them dark chocolate bits are so delish. And then I hit it with some cashews, just like big nice, real cat. I buy cashews by the like five pounds from Amazon because cashews go on everything, you know? They go in the savory stuff. They go in the not savory stuff. So I make myself this nice bowl and I hit it with oat milk, Oatly brand oat milk because I've come around to it. It's all about, you know, I'm on this journey of of I hate stuff and then I just have to realize that I'm probably just hating it because I'm I'm sensitive about something, you know? And I have to just let go. Like, I hated oat milk for so long, 
but it's just because the guy who invented oat milk went to the same, he took all the same classes as me and now he's a billionaire and he's so much cooler than me because he's like Swedish but half Asian and we're the same age and Oatly is literally like, <laughs> oh, it's, oh God, he has a lot of money now. And I feel sensitive about that. So I hate oat milk. But then I just took note of that within myself. And I just was like, that's silly. And now I do oat milk. So I make this nice bowl, frozen blueberries, special K dark chocolate, cashews, hit it with the oat milk. And I bring the bowl up to my face and it's just full of ants. And like, there's something about someone who's already on the cusp of complete derealization where like insects really get to you, where you're like, what is real? Like, is my entire body crawling with insects right now? And then I'm looking at all the ingredients and I'm trying to see where the ants are. Like, are they in the special K? Are they in the blueberries? Are they in the cashews? Like, where did the ants come from? And I think... In my state of losing my mind that I am in here in my cottage in the woods in Northern California, where like I have no friends and I haven't had any friends for a very long time and I'm completely cut off from reality and everything, I am looking at the cereal and I cannot see the ants and I'm looking at the blueberries and the ants and then finally in the cereal I see an ant. So then I, I pour the whole thing out. Because I'm, okay, so let's be honest right here. I started by saying how I'm not grossed out by ants. So like, I almost ate the bowl of cereal because really, I have a very hard time believing that there is a medical problem. Like, it's a complete social construct why you don't eat a bowl of cereal that's full of ants. We have to agree. Like, that construct, I don't think there's a corresponding medical concept there. Like, there's nothing bad that happens to me from eating a bunch of ants. I don't believe it. Like, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of anyone being poisoned from eating a bunch of ants. Like, maybe the really big ants, but the really big ants were actually not involved in my bowl of cereal. It was the medium-sized ants, and maybe even the small ones. And so I'm standing there with this bowl, and I'm, like, alone. But I really believe in this thing of, like, if when if you give up on everything just because you're alone, if you give up on acting like you're in society just because you're alone, then Bob's your uncle all of a sudden you're going to be a Republican. Like it just isn't – you're going to be – like I think that's the difference between a hard-nosed fifth-generation Swedish social democrat and a, you know, stand your ground, let's arm the teachers – Republican. It's like, what is privacy? What is it to be alone? And when I am alone, I do not give up on being part of society. I still believe that I am part of society. And I, you know, so I, I poured it out. I poured out the bowl of cereal, but I really considered eating it because I was starving. It's really sort of like something soft versus something very hard. It's a very abstract concept versus a very hard concept here of like, it's humiliating and it's disgusting. It's like supposed to be disgusting, but I don't feel that it's, I don't feel that the ants are disgusting, but I know that we have a social construct that where we agree that ants are disgusting. And so I give up on my own instinct and 
become part of society and buy into your social construct because I want to be part of something bigger than myself. Like I have such a strong, my my desire for a sense of belonging is stronger than my desire for food. And I am starving and it's in the middle of the night. It's 1 a.m. I'm at my house. I have no other groceries. I literally just popped into the grocery store and got oat milk because I knew I didn't have any food and I'm starving. All I got was sharp cheddar cheese cut into sticks. I I keep, you know, I keep searching for the right cheese and and America, I don't know, man. Like I, I had a cheese stick once that was so satisfying. And then I've been buying cheese sticks ever since. And I keep, I bite into them and they're mealy and they're, it's like, I, I can't find the right one. And, and also you shouldn't really not eat more than one of those things in, in a go. Like if you're hungry, you should not eat a bag of cheese. And, and so I poured out the cereal because I decide, yeah, you know, because I just couldn't get myself to give up on being a human being. And, and so now I, I pour it out and I'm just, I'm, I don't have any other food. So I am determined to make a new bowl of cereal. But now this time I will inspect each, like each like piece of special K, you know, fucking what is even special K? It's like made in a lab. Like, what is it? Is it rice? Is it wheat? Is it oats? Like, what is it even? I don't know. But so these granules, I'm I'm taking them out of the bag one by one, inspecting them and putting them into the bowl just to make sure that no ants make it into the bowl. And ants are on the things. And then you get to this thing where it's like there's the medium-sized ants and then the small ants. And sometimes I can't even tell if something is a dead small ant or just like, is this just part of the chocolate? And then you get to this third part where for the first time in my life, I ask myself, what does ant poop look like? And like, do ants poop just at home, like people, or do they poop on the road? Because there's like little black specks on some of these granules of special case cereal that I am not 100% sure what I'm dealing with here. Like I had to just, there was a leap of faith element going on here because I had to look at some of them and be like, I don't know what the black part of that one is, but I'm going to green light this one. And then this one has an ant on it. This one has a red light, red light. But I green lit everything, you know? And I looked at all the blueberries and there were no ants in my bag of frozen blueberries in the freezer. And the cashews are in a screw top, big plastic container and they're safe. But the special K was heavily compromised. But, you know, it's a very key element. Like I can't just eat blueberries and cashews, like the crunch of the granules yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I ate a bowl of that stuff, and I think it had a lot of ant poop in it, but I went for it. And I it's it was like, I don't know, it was my compromise. But it's like there's something so, oh, God, I feel like I'm losing it. Like, like there's something about insects. And then when I'm done, now all of a sudden, and I don't know why, there's like a cut in the roof of my mouth. And I don't know when it happened. But it's like, look, man, if you're already feeling like you're losing the plot a little bit and you don't know what's real and you're not 
totally in control of your mind, try try having a cut in your mouth. Try battling an open wound in the roof of your mouth and see if you can retain a little bit of sanity there. Like that's just, it's over, man. At that point, it's just over. And it hurts. It hurts right now. Somehow it's very weird. Like podcasting has this completely inverted quality to it where in this moment, I go, I am, I feel very connected to you guys. And I feel like the cut in my mouth makes everything realer. It makes everything more real. But before I started recording this episode, it was the opposite. Where I was like, I don't even know, like, am I imagining this cut? But I don't think so. And then, yeah, and then other stuff happens where it's like I, I was looking at my floor and there's just like red specks all over my floor. And I'm like, is this blood? And I I think it's blueberry. I think I tried to get the <laughs> air out of the blueberry bag. And I think I sprayed down my entire house with a little bit of blueberry juice. And I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, it's not, it's not good. It's not great. The ants are everywhere. The ants are absolutely everywhere. And they're probably all over my body right now. And I don't know, like, it's a very thin layer of protection that we have that make us feel like we live in a civilized world. And and this moment that you're covered in insects, you just realize that it's all a lie, you know? And then I'm out here covered in ants and I'm like, I have to calm down. I have to like uh, do something normal and civilized. And so I lit a scented candle and then I'm this guy who's just like (laughs) covered in ants, but I'm sitting next to a scented candle you know like my tools the tools i have to try to help myself are not powerful tools you know like a scented candle is not a powerful tool but it's what i have i don't know what else to say about it i mean i'm i'm right here you know you're listening to me in real time and and i feel real good today because because i have because i have sort of begun watching everything from a distance and it's very peaceful And it's very, it just feels really nice in the body. And, you know, maybe next week I'll record an episode from a hospital and we can look back on this and be like, oh, yeah, that was the beginning of a, like, there was a kidney condition that that made my brain creating apparitions in my, you know, like maybe my kidneys aren't cleaning something out of my blood and, and something's going on and. <clears throat> maybe I'm circling the drain right now, but but maybe also, maybe this is what normal people feel like. Like maybe this is why some people are not alcoholics because maybe sometimes people just feel like this where they feel okay without drugs or alcohol. You know, I wouldn't know. So funny. Um, on the topic of ants, it's, it's really a very similar sounding thing though that worked out better is that there's this one prep cook at work. Her name is Virginia. She is an absolute angel. I think she's an angel. She has angel energy and you look at her and she just smiles and she's like, you know, two of her kids work there too. And she's a little bit older than me. And she just has this like really pleasant mom energy. But then when you start talking to her, she also has like this incredibly real, um, everything is just like a very real human story with her where she's always like, talking about how she's had like problems with different family members, but she finally worked out the like way to relate to them in a peaceful way. And just like these, 
you know, real, real stuff. But so, um, for some reason, man, I don't know how we started talking about this today, but I think I started talking about raccoons and then she's like, yeah, man, I love raccoons. And she described how this one time she was out driving and there were two raccoon babies and she just put them in her car and then she brought them to her house and then she raised them. And she described all these things of how, because I have a weird relationship with raccoons where like, it's a little bit like the ants where I'm not fully grossed out by them. And I know that we as a group, humans, we've decided that, no, they're yucky. And we call them trash pandas and we're rude to them. And But they have little hands. And I am scared of them insofar as they are very large animals. Like they are big. They're big like dogs, some of them. And they're fatter than dogs. I swear to God, like some of these are like good fucking six, seven, eight kilo raccoons that hang out around here, you know? Quart and a half, you know? And, um, but, but, but you look at them and they look at you and you really make eye contact and it really feels like there's something in there. So I've, pl- I've felt this behind the fear of how I'm afraid of them. I've felt this thing of how I do want to just feed them. Feeding them is, it's really interesting because it has to be that a big part of why they survive is that they just look like something you want to feed. And so Virginia is telling me the story of how she had she ran into these two um, raccoon babies and she brought them home and she raised them and it had different stages where they started out by sleeping in her bedroom and then she would open the window so they could sleep on the porch or in her bedroom and then they kind of moved to below the porch and then they kind of transitioned out into the forest. But before they did that, when they were like medium, when they were like teenagers... She described how like she would come home from work and she'd be so overworked having like worked a double or something and she'd be really like emotionally upset and she'd lay down on her bed on her back and they would just, the two raccoons would just come up on the sides and lay in her armpits and then they would crawl over her arms and just be one raccoon on each side of her head and they would just stick their little raccoon hands in her hair and just massage her scalp. Just four little raccoon hands just massaging your scalp because they could tell that she was upset and they would just like pet her head and just massage her scalp. And then they would like, like, what is this, you know? And everyone else in society is like, don't touch the raccoons. They have the plague. And Virginia is out here like spooning raccoons. And I mean, I really, I feel like it's really a story about how me and Virginia both have the same mental deficiency where we don't reject things that society writ large has decided to reject. Me, ants. I don't reject them. I just like let them, let them hang out of my house too much. Her raccoons. And my thing worked out worse than hers. Like my situation is not good. My kitchen looks completely blood spattered. And there's rat, not rats, ants. There's ants everywhere. Things did not work out for young Joachim. Uh, maybe we should drink a sparkling water here. So um, these are all like kind of herbaceous, very, very nice sparkling waters. Um, we're going to start with this one, lemon elderflower from Trader Joe's. I'm, 
I'm extremely self-conscious. So let me talk about what I've been doing this week. So I um, I wrote this novel, right? And then I've been meaning to turn it into an audiobook. And it seemed like a very basic thing to do because I already have a podcast studio and I've already written the book. So it seemed like a very natural next step, even to the point where, and this is embarrassing to say, it's embarrassing to say because it's just by definition embarrassing to to say you talked about doing something and then you didn't do it. Um, two years ago, before I got the job I now have, I was unemployed and I was honestly not that stoked about going back into restaurants. COVID kind of, it felt like COVID was making restaurant work really fucking meandering and just such a drudgerous job. It seemed like that to me at the time. And so I actually thought about maybe I should be like an audiobook narrator because it just seems like I record a podcast every week. So maybe I could just put myself up on those websites like Fiverr.com or like ACX is like the big uh, back end of Audible where narrators and novelists both sort of like connect and that's how the things are produced or whatever. And I just felt like even if they just pay me like the littlest amount of money, it just seems like kind of a fun thing to do because you get to like read a book and you like read it out loud. And I just, I I think, erroneously, I think I can read out loud well. It's also embarrassing to say, like, so embarrassing to think that you're good at something. But I like in a lot of AA meetings, um, AA meetings have all different kinds of format, but uh, formats, but a lot of meetings are based around a section of the big book. And so it'll be like four pages of the book that the meeting, the specific meeting is supposed to be focused on. And then you read through it as a group so that it's like, Someone reads one paragraph and then someone else reads the next paragraph and you read it out loud to each other, basically. So you read through it and as someone else is reading it out loud, you can follow along. And just having done that hundreds of times, having been to hundreds of meetings where there's a lot of reading out loud, I've just realized that like other people really struggle with it, with just reading a text out loud. And for me, it's like a very pleasant Reading out loud is actually a very pleasant mind space for me. So that's how I went into it. And then I got this job and I never tried being an audiobook narrator. But then I got to this point right now where a few people messaged me. Katie said this. Niklas Friedman, he said this. Um, that I should turn it into an audiobook. Oh, Julie said it too, but she said it. she said it with derision. Julie said it in a disrespectful way, in a way where it's like, I'm never going to fucking read your book. You should turn it into an audiobook though, and I might do it. Um, but so I, um, that's what I've been doing this week. And I was trying to do it for a while, and I was creatively blocked with it, or I felt bad about it. But I realized that it. Di- I was stuck because I was trying to do it from the beginning. I was trying to start at the beginning, and that doesn't work because the beginning needs to be the best so the beginning of the novel in the audiobook like that's the part i need to record last when i am when i've figured out how to do it because it's actually hard 
That's what I realized. It's really way harder than I thought. And I thought that because I've already written the book, all the creative choices have already been made. There are no more create, creative decisions. And because I already have the equipment, what is there? I just pick the book up and read it. But there's like, I immediately recorded the first 10 pages in like five different w ways. One is like really ASMR, just like really calm. And one is like, slam poetry like just just a lot of emotion and then a, and then some stuff in the middle and then one is more like radio theater where like I'm trying to do different voices in the dialogue sections because the dialogue sections are actually impossible to read out loud because how do you fucking say quotation marks like you can't there's no way to denote the quotation marks in writing it's super easy to see that it's like that's the line and has quotation marks. And then the next line has its own quotation marks. But how I haven't listened to enough audio, but it's so fucking crazy. I'm so stupid. Like, I'm try I try to do this stuff and I try to reinvent the wheel all the time. Like, there's probably a solution to this. I haven't even Googled it. I haven't even Googled this problem, but I got stuck at this problem. And then I try to come up with my own solutions for it. And I'm, <laughs> it's so fucking stupid and weird. But anyway, what I was going to say that I'm self-conscious about is that I realized, and it's funny that I've recorded 133 episodes of the podcast without realizing this, but I've realized that um, my S's are too sharp and it causes sibilance, something that's called sibilance, which is like a spike in the audio that's really uncomfortable to hear. And that really what you're supposed to do, this is something I never realized except one time I realized it. When I watched the movie The Trip with Steve Coogan and whatever the other comedian is, it's two British comedians that travel through the Scottish fucking back country and go from fancy restaurant to fancy restaurant and just sort of talk about stuff. And it's like a very funny, unpretentious format of a movie. It's not about anything. It's just a road trip friend movie. It's really like a podcast. But one of the apropos nothing conversations that they have is that they talk about ABBA and they just sort of make fun of some ABBA lyrics. And then they make fun of how the singers say it. And then they say this thing that's like people say it as a throwaway comment and it destroys your entire world. They say something like, Swedes have these really hard S's. When the Swedes speak English, their accent has these really hard S's. And my entire world was devastated. I didn't know that. I had no idea. And then I just sort of was like, I guess, I guess someone just took me and summarized me in one sentence and took all of my complexity and all of my emotional life and all of my history and all of my pain and suffering and all of my happiness and joy and all of my dreams and all of my nightmares and they just took all of it and condensed it down to being like yeah swedes when they speak english they have really hard s's and that's all i was in that moment everything about me was destroyed because who cares what i have to say if my s's are hard so so that's something that's true and then I Googled it. That's what I Googled. I didn't Google, hey, in an audiobook, how do you read it out loud when there's quotation marks? Instead, I Googled, what, what are we supposed to do about these hard S's when you're trying to be an audiobook narrator? And so then there's 
dudes out there that'll explain it to you. Like, you have to be like, Sunday. No, instead of Sunday, which is very sharp, you have to say, Sunday. But you, and it's about running your tongue a little bit up the ridge of your, the roof of your mouth, where I also have an open wound right now from ants. Like, am I supposed to believe it's like the ants went into my mouth and cut, cut, but like, um, I, you, you, if you run the tip of your tongue too far up the roof of your mouth, then that turns into a lisp where it's like, Sunday, can you sound like this? And you don't actually have S's, but at least it's not sharp. And then if you speak like a Swede, it's like all the way out. It's too far out. And then what we want is we want to be here. We want to be Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, not Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, so I'm trying that out. And then you realize that at the end of these YouTube videos where they teach you how to talk like that, they they are like, yeah, so then you can work that into your social voice. And I'm like, what the fuck is a social voice? Social voice. Not a, oh God. But so apparently we're supposed to sound cool all the time. I just feel so angry and sad and jealous that I grew up like a poor piece of shit person. And I just wish I grew up like a rich person that as a teenager, I wish I had like just a speech coach or whatever it's called. Just like a person, just like someone that taught me every, I just want to be a real Renaissance person. I just want to be media trained at 12. But also, there's another side of the coin, which is it's very interesting to learn things and practice things. And just with each a with, with each year of life to just be better at stuff and to just feel yourself learning stuff all the time and just becoming better. And I, you know, I think we, I've learned things all the time and I've, and now I'm learning a new thing. And it's like, I hate myself so much. And it's so easy to go to that mindset of, I'm, I'm 37 disgusting years old this year. Like I'm turning 37. And now is where I learned the word sibilance. Now is where I learned that I have disgusting hard S's that hurt everyone's ears. Like everyone has hated me this whole time and I never knew. And I'm so old to realize it now. So yeah. That's what's been holding me back. Anyway, I forgot to drink the water. Um, Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's, lemon elderflower soda. God damn, that sounds good. You guys hear that? That's smooth, bro. And then you can also do this thing. I have like, there are two ways to attack the world, you know? Either you can learn with your mouth to just make the sounds perfectly or you can just run your audio through a fucking piece of software called a DSer that just cuts the top of the fucking spiked out audio, cuts the top off, smooths it all out so that, you know, the fucking AI can just do it for you. Like, how fucking crazy is that? You can run all of your audio through it and it picks out all the shit that's S's. That's uncomfortable sounding S's and just pulls those spikes down. Like how fucking incredible is that, that we have these tools. And I just really want to be that guy who understands. I kind of want to be an audio engineer because it's just so fun. I think I want to be a producer just to have friends. 
I want to learn how to use Ableton, the music making software. Like I want to use it, learn how to use it on an almost professional level where I can put out an ad and be like, hey, are you guys a band and you guys want to make an album? Uh, I could produce it for you and like fix your fucking levels and run your audio through a de-esser. And like maybe if you have like a stupid Swedish accent. <laughs> and I'll do it like really cheap because I'm really doing it just because I want to have friends, you know. I just want to have friends. So I'm like, I'll produce your album for $30. <laughs> and then people show up and they don't hang out with me and they just like give me the audio file and leave. And I'm like, oh, I was hoping we could hang out. <laughs> Oh, too real, bro. Too real. All right. Trader Joe's. Lemon elderflower soda. Oh, so nice. Does it have a smell? Nope. Oh, God, that's good. Those fucking globalist corporatists over at Trader Joe's that try to sound... They try to make everything all small and folksy and village they try to give everything a village feel everyone's wearing a hawaiian shirt in there you know all the signs are like chalkboards hand drawn i don't know somehow they are all hand drawn the same way like oh i feel like i've talked about that on the podcast wow we're running up against the cyclical nature of the podcast I want to learn about it, and I think I have taught about it. But I so much time has passed that I no longer remember. So I should, yeah, so I have to re-listen to my... There's something... Did I meet a guy that was the guy who would, in one night, go from Trader Joe's to Trader Joe's, and he would write on all the chalkboards? Did I meet a guy like that? Do I know that guy? I have some vague memory. Was this a dream? It's like some weird smell reminding me of a dream that I forgot about or some shit. But those fucking corporatists that pretend to be villagers over at Trader Joe's, they know what they're doing. They know about flavor. They know about stuff you stick in your mouth hole. They know how to make the mouth hole dance. Because that shit's fucking delicious. I could just drink that all day. And it's that eight ounce... Eight fluid ounces, 237 milliliter. Is that tiny little airplane can? Oh, God, what a tease. The little airplane can, it's like <clears throat> it's like a hand job, you know? Anyway, sucrass. Sucrass. Regret saying it immediately. Can't go back, though. You know, that's the other thing. The first five minutes of this episode, I was felt completely derealized because I recorded the a full five minutes of this episode and then I just was struck with such a overpowering sense of self-loathing and hatred of everything I am that I just was like fuck this I'm deleting this and then I just re-recorded exactly the same thing and then as you're saying it the second time that's actually a good point because the most derealized feeling I ever had was when I was an English teacher and I would teach like a 35-minute class or a 45-minute class or something. So I'd I'd prep it and be like, this is what I'm going to talk about. You know, we're fucking doing, you know, prepositions. Couldn't remember the word, had to Google it. We're doing prepositions this week. And then when you're an English teacher, you have to like, 
it's very interesting because it 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 really feels like this um first you have to teach them a couple of words just a couple of nouns and then now you have a couple of words like now you have you know dog and table and you've showed them a picture of a dog and you've showed them a t- picture of a table so now you can come back the next day and be like the dog is on the table but but no you can't do that the next day cuz first you have to introduce words like is so you have to be like the apple is red and then they're like but what is the and then you have to be like don't worry about that you'll learn about that 9 years from now you know You'll learn about that like much later, like when you have facial hair. So you t- talk to these third graders and you're like, don't worry about the the, the apple is red. So now they know is, which means that something is something. <laughs> Such a good teacher. And then fucking two weeks later, you can be like, the dog is on the table. And then you can be like, the dog is behind the table. And then when if you just repeat the shit out of that, and make it a little bit fun and just snatch a kid out of his seat and just carrying him up to the front of the class and you just put him on the desk. You just like create a flashbulb memory just deeply, deeply etched into the minds of, you know, more Chinese kids than should be in one class. You know, they're pushing the upper limit, like 39. Really, you're going to give me 39 third graders and they're not even well behaved. Like it, that's too many. But so prepositions, like, so you do this class and then you just repeat this shit. You're just like, the boy is on the desk. And then you carry him back to his seat and you plop him down in his chair. And then you grab a girl and you're like, the girl is, you know, the girl is next to the blackboard. And you grind out these prepositions and you build. It's about the building where you're like, because you can feel in the room when you lose them. You can feel, you make them say stuff after you, but you can feel when it's like, nah, I introduced too many concepts at the same time here. But it's a very, it's very interesting how it's like, it starts with nouns and then it's almost like you flip it sideways because now we're going to use these nouns in sentences. And then those, yeah, and you keep going with it. But the point was that like, I would teach a 35 minute class on a Tuesday. I'd show up early. I'd show up at like 8 a.m., and I'd walk in and I'd teach 35, a 35 minute class. And then I'd go into a new set, a new group of 39 Chinese kids. And I would teach the same 35 minutes again. And then I'd go through this enormous school complex. It was so cool, man. They like just gave me keys and stuff. I really loved being a teacher. A, way, a part of it was very adventurous. It just felt very adventurous to just be alone in this weird place. And it's like really tropical. And there's just like palm trees going, growing through the cracked tile. And there's just like roots coming through the floor. And everything's like cracked and dirty. But it's also like someone is always sweeping. It's like, <laughs> you know? Like the floor, it's literally made of dirt, but someone is sweeping. I, I don't know. It's still, you, you're into it, you know? But so then you teach the same 35 minutes over and over. And then nine months later, you like find your notes and you do it again. And then like a year after that, you find your notes and you do it again. And then two months later, you find your notes and you do it again. And every time you do it, you do it like... 10 times. And then you get to this point where you're like doing it 
on autopilot because you've done it so many times. And it's very, one part of you is really struggling to maintain your place in it because it's very hard to remember what you already said. And the few times that I actually talk about something on the podcast and then I delete it and just talk about it again, it's very hard to remember what I actually said. But like nothing causes derealization more than this, where you're like, you really fall back and watch yourself do it because you like attain complete autopilot and then you fall back into a very weird state of unreality where you where it becomes not obvious to you which of the times you are experiencing because you first started repeating this like 35 minute mantra years ago and then you've been doing it every few months and every time you do it is sort of like connects up like a string of fucking weird pearls that are like separated by a few months but but when you hold them all up in a line you cannot like see all of them in one moment so like you you doing it reminds you of every other room that you've done it in doing the 35 minute mantra reminds you of every other building in every other town where you've done the exact you know except carbon copy of those 35 minutes and like you can really start to lose yourself in it where you're like really really unsure of what's reality because you watch yourself on autopilot for so long that you're you think big thoughts like you're really thinking behind it all while watching yourself do it and it really creates this like distance between what your mouth is saying and what your body is doing and and the script that you're go that you're acting through and talking through and like how your thinking mind is like pretty seriously disconnected from all of it and thinking some pretty different stuff from what's going on and like the feeling there it's really one of the most derealized feelings that we we have that I've ever experienced it's like a very cheap legal high, I tell you. Oh, God. God, I hated being a teacher, but I did love just having made it away from stuff and have it made it. Like, there was something about it. There was something about, like, tropical Asian, the tropical Asian climate and being free to roam and having people, like, cut you a check for doing some random shit in like in a in a tropical asian thing where there's like vines growing on everything and everyone's wearing a uniform i could fuck with it man i was into it okay so next sparkling water here um like like this moment like this moment i'm not here like this is not i'm not okay there's something going on with me like i am not experiencing this moment properly the next sparkling water, the brand is called Health Aid Pop. Like what a disjointed name. Health Aid Pop does not roll off the tongue. And then strawberry vanilla. That's the, that's the flavor. Bubbly prebiotic soda for a happy gut. Suddenly I'm reminded of something weird like I uh, <clears throat> I was talking about how I hated Oatly for a long time, and then I just 
peered within myself and noticed that I am the problem. And now I'm an oat milk consumer. And so um, there's this there's this girl, her name is Valerie. She's really funny and she's really cool. And she listens to the podcast and her husband, they just got married or they're about to get married. No, they just got married. Her, um, His name is Daniel. Um, this one time, yeah, anyway, uh, this one time I told them I had a podcast and they started listening to the podcast and then Valerie sent me a message like an hour ago uh, <laughs> about how last, a few episodes ago or something, I was talking about how, I was talking about poop. I was talking about poop problems and stuff. And I guess I made it sound like I was constipated. I don't think that's true. I think I used too many euphemisms. <laughs> you know, where like, I think I got really misunderstood by just not saying it clearly because I am, there's so much shame around poop for me. But so I think the problem is more like, that I want to wait until the perfect moment. Because what I was saying is that I would wake up and I will want to poop before work, but it'll, the process around it takes so much time that I'm sometimes late for work. And that, when I say that like that, it definitely sounds like I'm constipated, that I suffer from something that's constipation. <laughs> but that's not it. That's not it. It's more like, you know when you're walking a dog and the dog needs to poop or should poop or something? But the dog just doesn't poop. And it's not that the dog is constipated. The dog has a ritual. And the ritual is impenetrable. And the dog does this thing of of walking around in a tight circle, in a tight, quick circle, waiting for like the perfect sort of uh, landing pad to crouch down and do a poop. And it's like... You are watching it and you're cold and it's cold out and you're wearing your robe and you're not wearing pants and you're like, dude, can you just poop already? Can we go back inside? Like, bro, and the dog is just walking around in circles and not pooping. And then um, that's what I'm like, you know? And maybe that is constipation. But so the point is that an hour ago, Valerie sent me this message and I did not respond to it, but I laughed at it a lot. It's very funny. She's like, uh, yeah, so about the poop, and then she talks about some alternative medicine thing, <laughs> and she's like, take two every single night before bed, and you'll never be late for work again. And I, I read it, and I it took me many read-throughs to understand it, and to because I black out anything I talk about in the podcast, I barely even remember it. But but and the thing of being late for work, I really struggled to remember. But then I, it all came back to me, and. I puzzled it together the way I now described it to you. And so there's some supplement. And it's funny because it's funny that I brought up dogs because they do that with dogs, huh? Like when I had a dog, we would put slippery elm. <laughs> it's so funny that it's called slippery elm. We would call, we would put slippery elm on his food. And the slippery elm is something slippery and it makes the, the stool slippery and just slip right out of your butthole. Um, so, um, yeah, Valerie sent me some slippery, a link to some slippery elm that I should put on my kibble. And so here's the thing. Here's the analogy or here's the thing why I thought of it. It's like I hate traditional medicine. I hate alternative medicine. I hate anything alternative and anything supplementy and I don't believe in anything like that. 
and I like carrots and I like evidence-based medicine and I like pills and I like not relying on any medicine because I'm healthy because I eat carrots and exercise and I really don't believe in shortcuts and I think we need to just eat real vegetables and actually exercise and drink a lot of water and not drink alcohol and blah, 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 all this normal doctor shit. And then Valerie sends me this thing about some alternative medicine thing and I feel this um, immediate negative response within myself and then I just was driving home and I just checked it and I just took note of it within myself and I realized that I shouldn't, that I should just fucking just relax, bro. Just relax. Yes, you're surrounded by hippies. Yes. Yes, I was hanging out with Steph and she gave me, I was chilling with Steph a few days ago and I was laying on her couch and she came over with a dog water bowl and she gives it to me and I'm like confused. And then it's full of crystals. And she's like, I'm charging all these crystals on each other or some shit. And she put it on me to charge me. And I got so mad. And I just, it's fine, dude. Everyone's a hippie. And I just need to relax. And I just need to eat Valerie's Slippery Elm. So in a, in a sort of exercise in letting go, in an exercise in realizing how the only way to win the war is to not fight the war. We have to just stop fighting. The only way, there is no way through. There is only to relax, unball your fist, you know? That's the only thing I can do. And I become so unhappy trying to win these wars because I, I keep winning these battles and it thinks, but I never, you never win the war, you know? And instead, you should just surrender and just relax. Just relax, my guy. Just eat Valerie's Slippery Elm. So as soon as I finish recording this episode, I'm going to go to the link that she sent me, and I'm going to buy that stuff, and I'm going to put it on my kibble. And I'm going to have great poops or something. And it's going to be great. And also, it sounds like a great idea. But I am, it, the problem is that it sounds like a great idea. And now I'm back in my negative mindset again, you know? And things that sound like a good idea, they self-perpetuate because they sound like a good idea. And then, oh, look at you, you just sidestepped being evidence-based and now you're still going to sell a lot of it even though it's not evidence-based because it sounds good. It just sounds like I just want these poops to just slip right out of me, you know? Just no smell, no sound. <laughs> just like they just slip right down my leg don't even have to go to the bathroom you just sh you just shake your you just shake one leg a little bit and it just slips right past your sock right down on the ground and it's just like a little sort of like the poops come out sort of shaped like a oh a leech jesus i took me i couldn't remember some things in swedish are just called something that's so it just sounds right. The, a leech in Swedish is called a blodigel. It's just like, it just sounds like fucking man, nailed it. Nailed that one. And then a leech. I don't know, man. I saw this. I saw this thing on TikTok. It's like, dude, why, dude? Uninstall. It's like when I, after seeing this video, I should have uninstalled TikTok immediately. Instead, I waited a few days. But I saw this video of a girl who has like le leeches 
as pets, like big ones. You know, these leeches are like four or five inches, and she feeds them on her own blood. So, you know, and they can survive a long time without blood. So every three weeks or something, she just like pulls the leech out of the, pulls the like four or five leeches out of the aquarium, just holds them up to her own skin and they just bite into her own skin and it doesn't hurt because they have a natural fucking anesthetic anesthetic quality to their blood or saliva or whatever. And they just suck her blood and she just watches them suck her blood from her arm and she's filming it and putting it on TikTok and then when they're done, they just release and she puts them back in the aquarium and they're her friends. And it's like, bro, it's a perfect example of why I poured out the bowl of cereal with ants in it because that woman has turned her back on society. She has given up on just being part of something larger than herself. That woman is completely alone. That woman will never find a sense of belonging anywhere in human society. That woman is not invited back. Fuck that woman. We must reject her. We must all be on the same page about some stuff. And even if you don't feel it, you have to pretend like you're on the page with the stuff, you know? Because otherwise, we, we start losing everything. If we don't get on the same page about stuff and just... It's so funny, man, because it's so easy to be like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to be... A Jesus! Oh, oh Jesus, I, I, first of all, I forgot to drink the water and then I knocked it over. Luckily, I hadn't opened it. Um, it's so easy to be like, oh, I wouldn't want to be a woman in 1700s China um, and be a concubine and not be allowed to leave the house because that's such a crazy um, societal construct, to, society to be a part of where I have no freedoms or whatever. Yeah, but at least you're part of something. At least you have this sense of belonging and a sense of having a role within a larger construct. And I'm saying that as a man, but I'm saying that as a man in the sense that, dude, maybe that would be kind of nice. Maybe I would like to be a woman in 1700s China where I'm just like, my parents just tell me, yeah, you're going to marry this guy now. And that's your thing. We don't care that you're a lesbian. You're going to marry this guy. And he has three other wives, and you're not allowed to leave the house, and we're going to tie your feet up. We're going to break your feet. Okay, that part really sucks. Like, because physical pain is just a little bit above uh, the spiritual desire for belonging, just immediate physical pain. I don't know. I just... I just gave up on hunger, like I was hungry and I gave up on it because I didn't want to be rejected by society and be a person who ate a bowl of ants, so I didn't. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how those things rank. It's interesting, I was watching the movie Birdman yesterday, a great movie, by the way. 2016, Michael Keaton, just like such an incredible movie. But there's this one scene where he talks about He's hanging out with his ex-wife and stuff, and and he talks about how he was a real piece of shit, and he cheated on her during a party, and she just, like, found him in bed with some other woman in the middle of their house party. 
and she threw all the guests out and blah, blah, blah. And then he'd drive. He, he woke up the next morning and just drove to the ocean and he just sat on the beach. And then he was like going to commit suicide. This is actually weirdly related. He was going to commit suicide by just walking into the water and just swimming out until he drowned. And he was going to kill himself by just swimming out into the ocean and drowning. But when he is wading in the water, when he is walking through the water and the water is like up to his neck, suddenly there's this like intense pain burning on his back and then on his chest and then on his legs. And it's jellyfish. It's like these man of war burning jellyfish. And he runs out of the water. And it's so interesting because it's like, well, you were going to die. You wanted to die. So you were going into the water. But then when there's immense physical pain, somehow that supersedes. Because what, what he wanted was death. But somehow what he didn't want more was pain. So like he couldn't die because there was too much pain. I, I actually find that very, very interesting because there's a way to understand suicide where it's like, it seems like you wouldn't, it seems like this would make you want to die more, but really it made him not kill himself. And there's something in there where it's like things rank, things rank certain ways. And it's like, but it's not a clear top to bottom one dimensional ranking of stuff. It's more complicated because the brain has like these different centers where there's like, you have this spiritual center that, that wants to kill itself. And so you maintain this like philosophical mindset and walk out into the water to commit suicide. But then when you experience intense physical pain, like a different part of your brain takes over that's like more immediate, that takes you out of the philosophical mindset. So now you're just like, Jesus Christ, these jellyfish are burning the fuck out of me and I got to get out of this ocean. And so now you run out of the ocean and you don't kill yourself because like a different, like we, we have this very, we have this singularity view of the ego. Like we have this very simple oneness view of identity. Like we are one thing. And I think it's just factually completely incorrect. Like it's just not what it is. Like we're actually these very different skills that are like cobbled together, like these very different sort of processors and like types of, and it's very interesting because like I, I was listening to this one in, uh, one interview about AGI, like uh, artificial general intelligence, which is like the more, the stuff we don't have yet, that's more like the the intelligence that will be able to like sort of deal with any problem and talk about anything and maybe be self-aware and just just like because what we have now is very limited ai it's very like specific to a thing and then this guy was describing how to actually get to agi we're not just going to do like one bigger version of what we have now which is like large set language models or there's different things but it's not just going to be a bigger version of one of these to replicate the human mind, which we probably can do pretty soon or whatever, what we are going to have to do is like, it's actually going to be a bunch of different types of computers that we connect to each other so that depending on what, like it's less, um, there's something less 
elegant about it because we we have this idea that we want it to be this elegant oneness thing like this infinitely large like very large data set of processing very a lot of data and a lot of skills and a lot of just like a lot of one thing in this very big thing that can handle anything but it's like really what the human brain is and what AGI will be when we get there is it's going to be a bunch of different types of computers running a bunch of different types of algorithms cobbled together so that they all can uh, power up and power down and be more or less focused depending on what type of problem we're dealing with. And we will like, the AGI will be all these different things connected. And, and it's like, I really think that that's what we are too. Like we are very, very different things. Like there's nine or 15 or whatever number of very different kinds of, you know, you got the inner ear working over here and you got the fucking, you know, that is so stupid. I'm like, so I'm like really, really stupid. Let's just drink this fucking strawberry vanilla bullshit. Okay. It's like people come here for the sparkling water. And then I just talk and talk and talk. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, health aid pop. There's something wrong with me today. Ooh, it's fizzing over because I knocked it over onto the floor. Yeah, that smells like fake-ass strawberry. And that's awful. Yeah. That first one was a 10 out of 10. This one is a 3 out of 10. That's undrinkable. Yeah, that water sucks. I can't even say anything about that. Thinking of myself as this person covered in ants next to a scented candle, which is me right now, it's, I don't know, it just reminds me of all the, all the times when just the picture of someone is the entire story. Like there's this one... There's this one stand-up comedian who, this stuck with me. I don't even know who this was who said this. But there was someone who in their act was talking about how he started smoking cigarettes so early that there was considerable overlap in terms of, in timeline between, like he, he kept, he was playing with like He-Man action figures and stuff. And he would just sit on the floor in his bedroom as a kid and just play with these little plastic fig, plastic action figures, and they would just fight and fight and fight and fight. And he would also smoke cigarettes. So, like, he would, they would fight, and then he'd go outside and smoke a cigarette and, like, think about which ones are going to fight next. And it's just, like, a very, just the image of a child that is old enough that there's overlap there between the, that there's an age right there in the middle where you you're still playing with little plastic figurines, but you're already smoking cigarettes. Like the entire story is the image or like Donald Trump in prison. Like the image is the entire story. I don't know, man. I have these little pieces of paper here that it's so funny. It's so fucking late and I should go to bed and I have a really big day at work tomorrow and it's 2.39 a.m. right now, but... I just kind of want to go. I just kind of want to keep going. And so I, I write, sometimes I write down on a little piece of paper, like something I want to talk about in the podcast. This one is really annoying. It's like, 
this is such an annoying attack angle because it's really an ang- it's really about how I don't understand people on the right, on the political right in America. And like, bro, what else is new, you know? Like, is that interesting to talk about? But anyway, one that a thing I think is weird in American politics is how my friends on the right, like my right winger friends, and they're the QAnon people, and there's all they're all that stuff. They're really obsessed with privacy and how they want to be able to do anything and not be asked what they're doing. But and they want to be able to move around in the world and do whatever they want and maybe have guns and and go around. And it's like, it's like the weird part to me, or a, a weird thing about it to me, is like we have to drive everywhere though, and every single car has a fucking license plate slapped on the front and on the back. Like you're not in any way anonymous. People have this obsession with privacy and being anonymous. But, like, really, if you want, like, the weird thing is that in Sweden, like, fuck facial recognition software. In America, they don't need facial recognition software because everyone is in their cars at all time. And the license plate is right there. All you need is a grainy, medium-good camera on, like, every few blocks on the corner to take a picture of you. And your license plate is right there so they know who you are and then they can follow you wherever. Like, there's no need for facial recognition software. Like, the the reason they need that in China, the reason they have, like, probably terrifyingly good facial recognition software, even though they all look the same. <laughs> God. Is because they don't drive everywhere. Like the the weird thing is, like in Sweden, we actually you actually have way more privacy because you can just st- like because there's public transportation. If you if the if people on the American right were honest about wanting privacy and wanting to go anywhere without blah blah blah, then they would be. People on the American right should uh, try to get more public transportation going if you really want to be anonymous. Like there's no anonymous, there's no uh, anonymity in in traffic. Anyway, what a boring thought. Can't believe I can't believe I thought that and was like, I want to talk about that on the podcast, and I wrote it down on a piece of paper. Oh, that one sucked. All right, next one. So it's funny when you have an idea and you really think it's your idea. And then you see your idea in the wild and someone else had it. And it's really like, it really raises this unanswerable question for you where you're like, did I, I, it really makes me believe, it really makes it clear why people believe that there's like a collective unconsciousness because it really feels like that. It feels like the, the idea or thought existed somewhere out in the air and you like plucked it out of the air and it like entered your brain. So like, uh, here's super specific examples, okay? I, whoa, did I already talk about this? I feel like I already talked about this, so let's speed through this. I used to have this thing I would talk about where I, I had this idea where I was like, I realized on my own that the best way to um, 
know if you want to live with someone is if you can be quiet with them at at home. Like you and your roommate, you're quiet together in the apartment. And that's how you know it's a good roommate because you can just be silent. You don't have to talk the whole time. And then I rewatched fucking Pulp Fiction and Uma Thurman says that in the movie. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't my idea. I feel like I already talked about that on the podcast, but it's an example of this thing. Where it's like, that is actually a very weird feeling of discovering your idea right there and realizing that you stole it. And I really think that it's like, so, there's so much maturity in just the humility, like realizing the limitations of your own brain. Like I really respect when people around me just acknowledge the limitations of their own brains and just acknowledge that, you know, it's very possible that my brain fucking just picked up that idea and forgot about it, and then 40 years later, just had that idea, you know? And so here's another one where, like, I realized, or, like, I had this thought on my own, I thought, that it probably, honestly, probably I had this idea on my own, where, like, if you want to convince someone that, like, if someone is looking at you and you want to, act like you don't know that they're looking at you, you should do something embarrassing. And then you will look like a person who thinks that they, that no one is looking at them. Like you should pick your nose, for example. If, if you are in your car and you don't want to, you know what I mean? Pick your nose. And then I saw this banner ad. I saw this banner ad two months ago where it's like, here are the CIA hacks for for being a private investigator and being undercover and convincing people that you don't know that you're being stalked. And then in the, it's a picture of a guy picking his nose. And I didn't even have to click it because I knew it already because I had that idea already. And the way that feels, that feels like the collective unconsciousness exists. And I don't believe that the collective unconsciousness exists. I just believe that there's kind of, what do I believe? No, let's, let's display true maturity here and admit that I don't know. I don't know how that works. And I think it's lazy to jump on to some neat explanation like the collective unconsciousness. That's what I really think. But it could also just be that we just have limited, and now I'm going to guess. And guessing is less mature than just accepting that we don't know. It takes so much maturity to just accept that we don't know. And to just sit with the not knowing. The not knowing is a door we haven't walked through. And not walking through it is so difficult. And I always walk through it and I always guess. And I always talk and I always have a theory. Because I am a child. I am a child. In the Nietzsche sense, I... No, no. In the Nietzsche sense, it's good to be a child. Um, You know, the lion and then the dragon and then the last form of... uh, You progress in the last form you are as a child. No, no, no. That's not the kind of compliment we're in the business of giving ourselves here in this sparkling community, um, in the Sylvia Plath way, I am a child. In that Lana Del Rey uh, way, I am a man-child for sure. Um, And then there's this other form of it where it's like, 
you create a piece of art or you have an idea for something creative that's like, like in my novel, there are all these things. I don't want to talk about them because I don't want to, it's too much of a spoiler. But there's many things in the novel that I later found in things that I found in other pieces of writing and visual media where it's like the idea I had that I thought was really cool. Someone else just had it in like a big fucking blockbuster way. And I'm like, Ugh. and then I, you just feel like a, you feel like a phony, but that's not right. We shouldn't feel, you shouldn't feel like a phony. You should just feel, just be a grown up about it and just be like, yeah, we all think and we all have ideas and we had the same idea. You know, in trademark law, there's independent double creation. So, you know, let's drink another sparkling water. This is another one of the... That's the name of the brand. The flavor is mint cucumber, CBD sparkling water. Okay, so in this moment, I'm really, really frustrated that I didn't save this meme that I saw. And when I say meme, I just mean it was a screenshot of a tweet from Twitter. And the it was just such a perfect little micro poem about mint where it's like the guy is like mint is so fucking crazy. Like mint tea exists and mint goes in chocolate, but you can also put it on meat. Like it can be savory and sweet. And then they come up with like three other examples. And then at the end they're like, and toothpaste, like there's only one mainstream flavor of toothpaste and it's mint. Like mint is a fucking legend of an herb. And it's crazy, you know, because mint is like, it must be, mint must be like a pretty clear molecule that you can just isolate and put in other stuff. Because it's really about, the the fact that mint is in all of those things, it's really more a story about how mint is so stable. Because people try with fucking ginger, and they try to put ginger in sparkling water, and it tastes like shit. Because ginger doesn't have the stability. Like, mint has to be, like, just a, a very specific molecule. Okay, I have to Google it. What is mint? Oh my god, this is so satisfying. I Googled it, and the answer is, like, so satisfying. It's, like, it's called fucking menthol, Okay. Menthol is a very simple structure molecule. It's de derived from mint. And that also brings up this other part of the tweet that I forgot, which is like, mint is in fucking cigarettes, bro. Mint is in all these crazy, very different things. Mint is a topical, like an Icy Hot and Tiger Balm and Aftershave and like perfumery and mouthwash. And you can... It's an antispasmodic and smooth muscle relaxant in upper gastrointestinal endoscop endos oh god. Anyway, they stick it up your butt, I guess. Anyway, the point is that um mint is fucking cool, huh? Here's the thing, I don't really like mint. I'm not a huge fan. I'll 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 keep it in my toothpaste and I don't want it anywhere else. Okay, scratch that. I want it in my toothpaste and in the opposite of toothpaste, menthol cigarettes. I fucking love menthol cigarettes. And I saw this one video on the internet where they sell these like, there's a lighter 
that dispenses tiny little blue balls and has a little tool. So you can take any cigarette and shove a little blue ball into the filter and then crack it. And you can make any cigarette a menthol cigarette. And I was immediately like, oh, I got to I got to pick up smoking. I think that a lot, dude. I love smoking. And when I was chilling, God, I keep hitting everyone's vape. Keep hitting. I keep saying like my body's a temple and I don't smoke and I don't vape. But then I just keep like fucking hanging out with the lion cooks and just being like, okay, Lilith, can I hit your vape or what? But I think that they like that because they have nothing. They don't have a lot to offer me and I have a lot to offer them. And then maybe it's nice for them to be able to give me something. You know, like if Barack Obama comes up to you and asks you to bum a cigarette, it's like, aren't you kind of happy to give him a cigarette? You know, and in this metaphor, I'm Barack Obama because I have a fucking medical condition in my brain that makes me both hate myself with volcanic intensity and at the self, at the same time, have this incredibly self-aggrandizing self-image where I think I'm also Barack Obama? Like, what the fuck is going on here, dude? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Lilith thinks I'm cool, though. And with that, mint. A psh, mint cucumber, CBD sparkling water. ZBD. Zero calories, zero caffeine. Like, my whole life... I was so focused on getting like a perfect television American accent. And I it takes so much brain power for a Swede to say zero. Like you don't understand how much brain power it takes. And I didn't know that I had a hard S. I didn't know. God, it reminds me of how there's one more Swede in this county. Nevada County, there's one more Swede and his name is Ori. And... It's like some complicated, complicated friendships going here and there in each, each direction. And I feel it's interesting. He's from Stockholm and I'm from Skåne. And my whole origin story is about an inferiority complex about people that are from there. And, and then, yeah, he, this last, a few days ago or something, he, he was hanging out at the bar with, his new girlfriend, who Augustina thinks is very, very hot, and she's 24, and she's just like some young, hot, new thing, and this cool Swedish guy, you know, he always wants to impress everyone with how he's from a weird place. I think he actually comes in. I wonder, I dude, I wonder if this is true. He comes in and he like sits down with these women and he speaks to me in Swedish. And I think he does the same thing I do, which is like, it's just Americans like it. Americans like it when you speak a weird language. And if you're a Swede and you sound kind of American and people don't really know it. And if there was a place where I could go, where the person working there is a fucking Swedish person and I could bring women there and we just sit at the bar and I just like talk to the guy in Swedish a little bit, I would probably go too. Just so to really prove to the women that like, no, the, it, I wasn't kidding before, you know, I know I, I know I fucking showed you my password earlier or whatever. Yeah, that's a metaphor for, I know I took my underwear off earlier and showed you my passport, but, but let me also speak Swedish to this guy here behind the bar. And so 
I don't. There's something about it that it doesn't sit right with me. And and he was like, for the first time, he suggested that we hang out. And he was like, "We, Joe, when are we going to grab a drink? And I looked at him and I go, I don't drink. And I, sh- I shot him down. I shot him down and it was sweet on sweet violence out there. Because I didn't, in that moment, I didn't do what he wanted me. Like, I didn't make him look cool. And man, maybe later we'll be friends and he'll listen to this. And I don't know. It's like, maybe it's, maybe I'm wrong, you know. I don't know him at all. And I shouldn't judge him. I don't know. I shouldn't judge him. But at the same time, don't you know in the first 15 seconds of talking to someone if you're vibing or not? Like, is it really about something beyond that? Okay, so that reminds me of this other thing. Um, Like I was on a dating app and I had I was I matched with this girl and we're talking a little bit. We're talking a little bit. And then she asks me this question. She goes, do you generally prefer to be the more talkative slash jokester partner or the quieter, mellow one? Question mark. And then I say, I think I'm kind of the talkative person, but I definitely need my silent time to recharge. And then she goes, I'm pretty talkative as well and attracted to quiet types. So we're probably not a match. Best of luck, exclamation mark. So like, I that really, it's like so... In a way, it reminded me of um, Love on the Spectrum, the television show where autistic people, uh, because the autistic people, they have this thing where they like, they will ask these very superficial, arbitrary seeming questions, and then they'll get the wrong answer. They'll be like, my favorite animal is giraffes. Do you like giraffes? And the person will be like, I don't like giraffes. And then it's just like cut to after the date. Yeah, so I'm never going to see that guy again because he doesn't like giraffes. And it's like, but and and but there's something very sublime in there because you're like, isn't that how everything is? Like I, the whole time watching that show, I'm trying to figure out like if they are geniuses or idiots. And really, it turned the more I watch it, the more I'm just like, they're just like us. They're not geniuses or idiots. They're just doing exactly what we do. We just do it with like a slightly different uh, exterior. But the thing is the same. And then so this lady, it it comes across as a little bit autistic to just be like, <clears throat> are you the talkative one or the or the quiet one? And I'm like, oh, I'm the talkative one. And she's like, oh, yeah, oh, sorry. I'm the talkative one too. And I like the quiet one. So this is not going to work. Okay, goodbye. And it's like, Like, it's obviously a weirdly binary and simplistic way of seeing people, right? Obviously. But it's also like, maybe she just knows what she wants. I don't know. I think in the first 15 seconds of meeting someone in real life, you just kind of know if you think they're cool or not. You just kind of know if you're interested in in talking to them more. It's just a feeling. Like, there's so much that we don't have words for that's going on. And... It's almost more interesting when it comes to non-romantic stuff because because with the romantic stuff, you're always trying to like talk yourself into it when you're a boy, trying to talk to a girl. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit like maybe I should just listen to this girl and be like, yeah, that wasn't going to work. 
she wants it's funny that she wants someone quiet because like i am having this podcast makes me such a much more quiet person like i'm so much of a listener because i get it all out right here you know Anyway, I think that it that conversation raised so many that it's like she says one thing, I say one thing, she says one thing. That's it. Just three instances of speech, you know? And those three instances of her saying, "Are you the talkative one or the quiet one?" and I say, "I'm the talkative one." And she's like, "No. That's not going to work." It raised so many things for me because it's like <clears throat> what is online dating? Online dating is some weird filter where maybe we shouldn't, like the filter, I am really skeptical that the filter is set up right because the actual filter should be something about pheromones or something. I don't know, whatever. I don't have anything to say about that. It's 3.07 a.m. right now and I have to go to work in the morning. So <clears throat> I got to call it on this episode, y'all. But did I open the last water? Fuck, I didn't open it. Mint cucumber. How did I not open it? Dude. I was so sure that I opened it. I'm really, really struggling with reality today. It's like really feeling that thing that people talk about when they're like, when things are starting to fall apart and you don't, you don't know how much it is that something is wrong in your brain and, or is it like the multiverse is caving in on itself and we're, I'm sort of like quivering between different timelines here. And then you have this, the singularity of the sound of an open, opening of a can. And it just collapses all possibility. And all that exists is this reality. You know? You feel me? Bubbles. 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 Maddie sent me this like, <laughs> sent me this chat GTP I, she says I say it wrong, but I don't say it wrong. She sent me this thing where chat GTP or whatever um, generated uh, lyrics about this week in sparkling water in the style of Phoebe Bridgers. And it's so nice. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how to understand. It's so funny. The verse one goes like this. I found this podcast. It's so obscure about sparkling water, but it's pure. A weekly dose of bubbly news. It's like a dream, but it's true. <laughs> How does ChatGTP know that my podcast is obscure? This could be a not obscure podcast. <laughs> I can't. They talk about flavors. They talk about brands. They even rank them. It's just not in my hands. I never knew there was so much to know about this drink that's become my go-to. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid and bad. <laughs> I can't. Okay, I have, to, I have to smell this water now. I have to smell this water. Yeah, that smells like mint. It smells like the molecule that we that's called menthol, apparently. It's got three little bulbs on it and a couple of connections and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it smells like mint. It's a very stable molecule. Hits me on the palate. Recognizable. Wish this was a cigarette. This week in menthol cigarettes. God, this week in cigarettes, bro. Oh, makes me want to smoke a menthol. Makes me want to smoke a menthol. Makes me want to be a black guy. 
Oh my god, that's actually quite good, even though I don't even like mint. That's so cucumbery. Oh my god, the CBD earthiness really goes with like the gentle, gentle, gentle bitter flavor of cucumber skin. Because cucumber skin is actually a quite, you know, f- flat, not flat, that's not the word, b- bushy. No, that's not the word either. Governmental. Cucumber skin is a governmental flavor. Mm. Yeah, that tastes like bu- bureaucracy. That's disgusting. Uh, I don't like that one, actually. Changed my mind. It's extremely fresh. Like, it's extremely uh, realistic of a flavor. So that's why I I immediately sounded positive because it's, like, very real. It tastes exactly like real cucumber skin and menthol cigarettes. But does that work as a beverage, though? No. Do I want to drink another sip? No. I want to go back to this first one, lemon uh, elderflower. I got it. I actually, it's actually a little bit of a smoky aftertaste where it's actually a little bit like menthol cigarette ashtray. And it's that good. Do I have to tell you that that's not good? No, you can, you can tell you, you can, you can think your own thoughts and know that that's not good. Outro. So if you're like me and you need a break, from the news and the noise and the world's mistakes, tune into this podcast and let yourself unwind with some sparkling water and a peaceful mind.